0: Did you know that in Ecclesiastes, it says that money answers everything? Today, pastor is going to look at what money can and can't buy and where we should be investing our money right now. Let's get started.
1: We were talking a couple of weeks ago about Solomon and his wisdom. Now, one of the interesting things to me about Solomon is the Bible says that God appeared to him twice, and then God is, is really, he's put out with Solomon. Solomon. Because although he appeared to him twice, he didn't steward what God had given him. And his heart at a part of his life turns away from the Lord. And then he comes back to God. But he's still kind of messed up. And uh, Solomon writes, really, he, he, he writes three of your books in the Bible, the book of Proverbs, right in the middle of your Bible, Psalms. Then there's Proverbs. And after that, you find the book of Ecclesiastes, which Solomon wrote, and then the Song of Solomon. Um, during that time that he wrote this book of Ecclesiastes, he's, he's going through this search, and he's looking. Now, The reason that this is one of the hardest books to understand is because he's looking at things as a natural man. In fact, 29 times in this little book, he says, under the sun, under the sun, under the sun. He's saying basically if you don't look at spiritual side of things, if you just look at things under the sun, he says this is what you'll see. So in Ecclesiastes 10:19, he makes this statement. Remember, this is under the sun. He said, "But money answers everything." But money answers everything. He said that cannot be in the Bible. Yes, it is. It's in the Bible, right? Solomon looking as a natural man, just looking at things under the sun. He says, man, it seems like no matter what the problem is, a little money will take care of it. Some more money will take care of it. Now, Jesus in Mark chapter four talks about the deceitfulness of riches. And what Jesus says that the deceitfulness of riches will do is it'll choke God's word. You know, typically in a church, you say, God's word is all-powerful, and everybody goes, yes! But you know what? There's something that can choke the word of God. so that the word of God does not produce fruit. And Jesus mentions the deceitfulness of riches. You see, money tells you, this is the deceitfulness of riches. It says, man, if you just had more, you would be satisfied. You would be content if you just had more. In fact, if you had more, you would be safe. If you had more, wouldn't matter what inflation does. Wouldn't matter if there was a crash. Wouldn't matter. If you just had more, you'd be safe. And besides that, you'd be happy if you had more. And you would be somebody. You would be admired and you would be important if you just had more. And besides that, you would not hurt. All the pain in life would be gone if you just had more. And besides that, if you had more, You'd be better than other people because money makes you better. The more money you have, that's just proof, the better that you are. Every one of those is a lie from the deceitfulness of riches. So Solomon said money answers everything. But money is an instrument that can buy you about anything except happiness and purpose. It can pay your way, your fare, to about anywhere except Heaven, you know, realize that money could buy you a nice big house, but not a home. It could buy you a king size bed with any mattress you want, but not a good night of sleep. It can buy you the most expensive watch, but it can't buy you any time. It can buy you a position, but it can't buy you respect. It can buy you the best medical treatment that the world can afford, but it can't buy you health. It can buy you blood, but not life. it buy you sex, but not love. See, money isn't the answer to everything. In fact, the Bible tells us that money often causes pain. In fact, in First Timothy, chapter six and verse nine, it says, "Those who crave to be rich." Other translations say this had this burning desire, their, their, their goal, their purpose is I am going to have riches. I am going to have it all. Those who crave to be rich fall into temptation and a snare in many foolish, useless, godless, and hurtful desires that plunge men into ruin and destruction and miserable perishing. Now, I, I want to say right from the beginning here, money's not evil. The love of money is the root of all evil, but not money. You know, I was gonna save this till the end of the message, but I think I'll just give you the illustration right now. Let's suppose that I'm down on division, walking, and a block ahead of me, there's a drug deal going down. There's a guy getting ready to buy several kilos of cocaine, and they see the cops come by, and the guys freak out, and the guy with the money drops the money, and they run. Well, I come by and I see that bag, and I kick it. Out comes stacks, a hundred dollar bills. There's two hundred and fifty thousand dollars in that bag. Now, somebody says, Pastor, that is evil money, that is drug money. I say, that's my money. <laughs> now, when I pick up that that drug money, quote unquote, am I all of a sudden going to go? Is there a crack house in your (laughs) box? Is that, listen, is that money going to make me do something? No, it's not, right? Because money has no morality. What money is, is money is a magnifier. Money allows you to do what is in your heart in abundance. The more money you have, the more you can do of what's in your heart to do. See, now there's somebody that might use that money and they might take that money and they might buy drugs. Somebody else might use that money to fund terrorism, to bribe a judge, to get an abortion, to purchase sex. But you know what, with that same money, you could drill a water well in Africa and take care of the water needs of thousands of people. You, you could look at you could build a house to take care of women who've been used in sex trafficking. You, you can support missionaries with that same money. You can save seventy kids out of Afghanistan who are being trained to be terrorists and present the gospel to them. See, you you, you can help a single mother who's who's taking care of her children. You can buy food for somebody who's hungry. See, the same money can do different things. But what's in your heart will determine what that money does. Money's not evil. Money's not evil, right? It has no morality. And when you get it, it just allows you to do more of what's already in your heart. So when I kick that money and I say, that's my, somebody, somebody said the first service, they said, the person behind me said, you should give it back. I'm not giving it to the drug dealer. I already know what he's going to do. You know, when I get that money, I'm going to tell you what the first part of that money is going to do. It's going to preach the gospel. That's the the first thing that that money is going to do. So money, it can't buy health. It can't buy peace. It can't break the hold of sin on your life. It can't buy somebody's heart. It can't buy love or respect. It can't heal a broken heart. It can't impart wisdom to a fool. And Solomon said this, right? Riches do not profit. In the day of wrath. On judgment day, the amount of money that you had is not going to make any difference. It won't deliver you. Now, Jesus said this. He said, one wiser, one greater than Solomon is here. So we've talked a little bit about Solomon's insight concerning money. Uh, He was the richest man in his generation. He was the wisest man that ever lived except for Jesus. He was the greatest achiever of his generation. But Jesus said, someone greater then Solomon is here. So Jesus had some things to say about money. And I wanted to just talk about a few of those. Uh, First of all, I want to mention this, that Jesus' parables, 45% of his parables were about money and possessions. 45% of Jesus' parables dealt with money and possessions because he knew that it was something that every one of us need. Every, you, you, you need a means of exchange in this life. And money and possessions, that's what the, that's, that is our means of exchange. But Jesus said this, Matthew 16, verse 26. He said, but what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world, but he loses his soul? Or what could you give in exchange for your soul? So here's what Jesus knew. Jesus knew that everything you and I see is temporary. The book of Peter says this. It says that God is going to literally burn this planet. It says the atmosphere will explode in fervent heat and every element will melt. Everything that you and I see and consider valuable today is temporary. But you will live someplace forever. When God created man, he breathed into him the breath of life and he became an immortal soul. You say, what does that mean exactly, In immortal soul? Well, to be eternal means you never had a beginning and you'll never have an ending. To be immortal means you have a beginning, but you will never have an ending. When God breathed into man the breath of life, you became an immortal soul. There was a day you were born, but there will never be a day that you cease to exist because you are going to live someplace forever and ever. After the the stars fall from the sky like ripe autumn leaves, you will live on forever and ever and ever. But what we see is temporary. So Jesus said, you're immortal, stuff's temporary. You are worth more than all the stuff. Jesus said, if you got the whole world with a fence around it and you owned it all, he said, it wouldn't be worth your soul. So with that, here's what we know that we are to love people and love God, and we are to use things. Got that? So There's a story. You'll find find this in uh, Genesis, chapters 18 and 19. There's a wicked, wicked city, Sodom. The city is invaded by a foreign king, and all the people are taken captive. All the goods. Abraham pursues, overtakes those kings, conquers the kings, and brings back all the stuff. And the the, the, the king of this wicked, wicked city comes out to Abraham, and this is what he said. He says, give me the people, and you can keep all the stuff. So what he knew was this. People are more valuable than stuff. You love people, and you use stuff. Unfortunately, there are some of us that we love stuff, and we use people. But Jesus said, no, 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 no. Understand, people are the most valuable asset, right? That's where God values the most, and they truly are. Now, Jesus said, again, in Luke 16, in verse 12, he said, but if you haven't been faithful in what's another man's, who will give you your own? Now, here's what Jesus is telling us, that everything that we have does not really belong to us. The Bible says in Psalms 24, the earth is the Lord's, the fullness thereof, the world and all who dwell therein. Everything ultimately belongs to God. You say, no, but my name's on the title. Yeah, but when you die, we'll put somebody else's name on the title. If it was really yours, you could take it with you. But you're just, I'm a steward and you're a steward. So we need to remember ultimately everything that we think is ours, actually belongs to God, and we are stewards. And remember, the Bible says that a steward must be found faithful. So what that means is that you and I don't really own the stuff, we're stewarding it for God, and we're supposed to use it the way God wants us to use it. Now, in the 19th verse, this is Luke 16, excuse excuse me, the ninth verse, this is a, a, a verse that deeply, affected my life, and I hope it will do the same for you. Jesus said this. He says, in this I say to you, make friends for yourself by unrighteous mammon, that when you fail or when you die, how many of you know the mortality rate with human beings is 100%? So Jesus said, you know, unless the end comes and I'm coming back, your body is going to wear out, it's going to die. That when you fail, when you die, they may receive you into everlasting homes or habitations. So here's what Jesus is saying. He says, use your money today, not just for this life, but for the next life, because you can do things today with your money that is going to affect your eternity. He said, there are going to be people that are going to receive you in heaven. They are going to be your friends. They're going to be the people that you hang out with. Uh, You know, I've been telling you for years, you need to take up jogging because when you get to heaven, people are going to chase you all over heaven. And they're going to be going, man, you sowed into that offering and I got saved. My family got saved. I got delivered. I'm in heaven today because of something that you did. In Philippians 4, the apostle Paul is talking to the church at Philippi about this. He says, he's going out and starting churches. He says, now you Philippians yourselves well know that in the early days of gospel ministry he's going out starting churches when I left Macedonia no church assembly entered into partnership with me into what partnership with me and open up a debit and credit account in giving and receiving except you only Now, he said, I'm out preaching, but you're sending an offering, and that offering makes you my partner. So 25 years ago, um, a friend of ours was in the trucking business, and uh, he came to us, and he says, he said, "Uh, you know, I've been working for this particular person for years, but I'm starting my own trucking company, he says, "And, and I need some finances, And uh, he said, would you like to invest? Well, we didn't have any money, so we mortgaged our house. All we could, got the money, invested in the trucking company. You say, what happened? It was good. It was real good. All right? So here's what I want you to understand. Now, I was his partner. We own 30% of the company. You say, what did you do? Nothing. I didn't know anything about trucking. I knew nothing. You say, what did you do at the company? Nothing. But I was partner. You say, why were you a partner? Because we put the money in. And so we received a part of all of the financial benefits that resulted from the company. Now, we sold out several years later. Uh, But the same thing is that Paul is saying here with the gospel. He said, when you sow into the kingdom of God, you become a partner. Whatever that money does, he says, it goes on your heavenly account. Now, when that happens, there you've heard me say this. When you let go of something in your hand, God lets go of something in his hand. But the, the blessing is not just in this life. right? If there's no blessing in this life, I'm still fine. You know what? Because... Paul is saying, there's something in your heavenly account. Jesus said, don't lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal. How many of you know stuff can go wrong in this world? Whether, whether it's inflation, whether the economy falls, whether there's, there's a, a theft. Whether, how many of you ever invested in something and got zero back? It doesn't always go the way you think it's going to go. But when you sow into the kingdom of God, Jesus is saying, there's no way you can lose. There's no way that you can lose. And he said, in giving and receiving. So often we think all I'm doing is giving. I'm just giving. But every time that you sow, the Bible says you are going to receive. You let go of what's in your hand. God is going to let go of a blessing that he has in his hand. In fact, the next verse, Paul says this, the harvest of blessing that will accumulate to your account, the harvest of blessing that will accumulate to your account. So when, when we sow into the kingdom of God, we become a partner. And Jesus said, we need to be laying up for ourselves treasures in heaven. In second Timothy three in verse 10, Paul said this, but you, Timothy, certainly know what I teach and how I live and what my purpose in life is. I want to ask you something. What is your purpose in life? He said, Timothy, you know my purpose in life. For some of us, our purpose, is just about self. It's enjoyment. It's pleasure. It's security. But Jesus told us what our purpose should be. He said, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. He said, and then all that other stuff, it will be added to you. Now, back in Luke 16 and and, uh, the 11th verse is Jesus is talking about money. He said, therefore, if you have not been faithful in unrighteous mammon, who will commit to your trust true riches? Now, he says, if you haven't been faithful with money, He said, who will commit to your trust true riches? Uh, How can I say this? Every time that something comes into your hand, there is a part of it that's for you. But there's a part of it that's not for you, right? Malachi 3.10 says, bring the full tithe into the storehouse that there may be meat in my house. And prove me now in this, says the Lord of hosts, if I won't open for you the windows of heaven and pour you out such a blessing, there won't be room enough to receive it. Now, somebody said, well, that tithing stuff, that's just old covenant. Actually, it's before the covenant. It's during the covenant. And look at Jesus' teaching and New Testament teaching. It's after the covenant. We're supposed to take the first tenth and honor God with it. In fact, I like to just say it like this. Whenever something gets comes into your hand, it is a test. What do we do with it? Because we're supposed to take the first tenth and we're supposed to sow it. Now, when God is bringing the Israelites out of Egypt, God is testing Pharaoh's heart. And how many plagues were there, by the way? Anybody remember? Say it out loud. 10. Uh, Moses went up on the mountain and came down with some commandments, testing the people. By the way, how many of them were there? Ten. God said, you have tested me these ten times in the wilderness. Laban tested Jacob. The Bible says he changed his wages ten times. Jesus tells the story about virgins who get tested. Uh, By the way, there were five wise and five foolish. There were how many? Ten. The book of Daniel, Daniel goes to the eunuch and he says, uh, "We uh, we don't want the food that's been offered to idols. He says, we want just vegetables. Would you please test us for how many days? Ten days. And then, of course, Jesus said, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison that you may be tested and you will have tribulation for how many days? 10. 10 in the Bible is the number of testing. And every time that something comes into my hand, it's a test. Am I going to just take it all for me? Or am I going to take a portion of that? And am I going to sow that? It's a test. And Jesus said, well, if we're not faithful with money, he says, you will not be entrusted with true riches. I would say this, that true riches today are spiritual things. But I believe that Jesus is talking way beyond what happens today. I believe that he's talking about eternity. Well, we're going to hear, well done, good and faithful servant, or we're going to hear, well, you're done. No. <laughs> oh. Verse 13. Jesus said, no one can serve two masters. For either he'll hate the one and love the other, or else he'll be loyal to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Now, he didn't say it would be difficult. He says you can't do it. He says one or the other. The number one false god is money. And again, it says, I will make you safe. I will make you important. I will give you purpose. I will give you value. Uh, I will make you somebody and you'll be better than others. But Jesus said, take heed and beware of covetousness. For a man's life does not consist in the abundance of the things he possesses. Years ago, I saw a bumper sticker. Probably half of you have seen that same sticker, bumper sticker. This is what it said. It says, he who dies with the most toys wins. No, he who dies with the most toys is dead, all right? Because Jesus said, that's not what your life consists of. That's not what gives you fulfillment. That's not what gives you purpose. That's not what brings you joy and peace. Things can't fulfill. Things can't give your life purpose. They can't give you value. They can't make you better than somebody else. They can't deliver you from sin and bondage and give you joy and peace. And again, Solomon said, they will not deliver you in the day of judgment. Matthew 6, Jesus said, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where neither moth nor rust destroy, where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Jesus said, today, you can do something to affect your eternity. He said, you can lay up today for yourself treasures in heaven. Now, I want you to imagine that it is the spring of 1865. Our nation is in, boiled in the Civil War. It has become quite obvious the South is now going to lose. You're living in Mississippi, and all the money that you have is confederate currency and you see the end is near and you know that once lee surrenders every confederate dollar you have is going to be wallpaper it's going to be worth nothing so what do you do with your confederate currency you try to get it into a hard currency you try to get it into something that when the war's over it's still going to have some value that, that Confederate currency that started out worth a dollar is now worth about eight cents. and It's on its way down and it's going to be worth nothing. So you're going to do everything that you can to get some hard currency that when the war is over, you've got something. Listen, our life is going to be over. And then what we're going to take with us is nothing. Except what we sent ahead. Several years ago, uh, down in the museum here in town, they had uh, an exhibit of the items that were found in King Tut's tomb. Young Egyptian pharaoh. They they feel, because of the broken bones that they found in him, they they feel like he probably died in a chariot race. But when he died, they buried some stuff with him. They figured he was going to need it. They actually would, at times, they would kill some of the servants and bury them with the pharaohs so they'd have somebody to take care of them in the next life. Now, all the clothes, all the riches, all the food, everything that they put in there, you know where it was when they opened that tomb? It was still there. It didn't do him any good. But Jesus said, We can send it on ahead. We came into this world penniless and we will leave this world the same way, except for what we send ahead. So you can't serve God in money, but you can serve God with your money. And literally the Bible tells us that when we do, what we're doing is we are sending it ahead. Now, Jesus in John 7 in verse 36, he said, he who believes in me, as the scripture has said, Out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Uh, Every couple of years up until COVID, uh, we would take a group here from church and go to Israel. Now, those of you that have been with us know that some of the places that everybody goes is the Sea of Galilee, up in the northern part of Israel. 80% of everything Jesus did, he did within 10 miles of the shore of the Sea of Galilee. So, 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 so rich in New Testament Bible history. Um, I think every time we went except one, we would take a boat ride on the Sea of Galilee. One time the weather was bad, and we would cross over the sea and go to a restaurant. Now, the Sea of Galilee, the, the Jordan River flows into it on one end and flows out the other end. The Sea of Galilee is full of aquatic life. In fact, we always go to the restaurant and we all have a St. Peter's fish. It's great fish. Now, it flows out the southern end and 88 miles to the south, it flows into the other place everybody goes to, the Dead Sea, the lowest place on planet Earth, over 1,000 feet below sea level. Now, the, 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 the Dead Sea, it, it, it has 10 times the salt content of any ocean, 10 times. The river flows in, nothing flows out. And you don't know what you can catch there? Nothing. There is not one fish. There's not one plant. There is nothing that can live in the Dead Sea. You say, why is it dead? Because it's constantly receiving But nothing flows out. See, what we need to be, Jesus said, we need to have rivers of living water that are flowing out of us. We're not supposed to just be a reservoir, a dead sea that receives. We're supposed to be a sea of Galilee that it's flowing from. In fact, the purpose of prosperity is to be a blessing. It is to be a blessing. And so often people think, well, it's just for me. No, it's not about you. It's not about me. Solomon thought, well, money answers everything. And again, it can buy medicine, but not health. A house, but not a home. Companionship, but not a true friend. It can buy entertainment, but not happiness. Food, but not an appetite. A king size bed, but not a good night of sleep. A crucifix, but not a savior. It can buy a good life, but it can't buy eternal life. In short, money's power is extremely limited and often very, very deceitful. See, I want to thank you for being on the program with me. Do you know the Bible says that we should know that we have everlasting life? Many people simply assume, well, I know about God and I'm right with God. And I hope when I die, I'm going to go to heaven. But the Bible says, know that you have. You need to know you're forgiven. Know you're right with God. You say, how can I do that? Because God can't lie. He said, whosoever will call on the name of the Lord will be saved. And if you're away from God today, or you don't know where you stand with God, and you say, I want to be right with God today. I want to pray this prayer with you. I want to call on the name of the Lord the way the Bible tells us to. And the Bible says, will be saved. So I'm going to ask you to repeat this prayer from your heart out loud. Just say, oh God, I believe Jesus died on the cross. I believe his blood paid for my sins. I believe he rose again and I give him all of my heart and all of my life. I hold nothing back. I'm going to live for Jesus every day. He is my king. Jesus is my Lord. I thank you. You've heard my prayer. I'm forgiven. I'm right with God. I'm on my way to heaven. In Jesus name. Amen. You know, God heard that prayer. If you prayed that prayer from your heart and you are right with God. Now, I wrote a book to help you keep on growing spiritually. I want to send it to you free of charge. Now there's information on your screen. You can download that book free of charge or you contact us and we will give it to you free of charge. We want to be a blessing to you. Thank you for being with us. God bless you. We love you.
0: If you just prayed that prayer with Pastor Dwayne, you are making one of the best decisions of your life, and we are so excited for you. Just as Pastor said, we love to send you a free copy of his book, Your New Life. Log on to walkingbyfaith.tv and have a copy mailed to you. Download it instantly or check out our new audiobook. You can also find these things on our app, this book is absolutely free and a great resource for you to have. We know there are so many ways to give during the holiday season, but if Walking by Faith has been a blessing to you, we'd like to give you a special opportunity to give back and help us change lives with the truth of God's Word all around the world. To give back, you can donate at walkingbyfaith.tv give or click on the Give tab on our app. We'd love to connect with you. Here at Walking by Faith, we believe in the power of prayer. We have people standing by ready to pray with you. Scan the code on your screen to send us a prayer request. Or visit walkingbyfaith.tv to chat with someone today. We pray you have an amazing week and we'll see you again next time.